You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just don't go set up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and what a time to be alive following college football. I looked at the coaching carousel and the candidates that were out there, and as it relates to Texas, this popped up on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. I said, well, really, if you... You know, swap out Sark with Dave Aranda. It's pretty much the same list of coaches that people were picking from last year. So I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, that was before USC went and poached Oklahoma's head coach and LSU went and poached Notre Dame's head coach. You've got some blue bloods changing head coaches, guys changing jobs, going from one elite program to another. And I can't wait to break it down here on this latest edition of the show. First off, hope everybody had a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving as now we are full on into the holiday season. And officially the offseason for Texas, Longhorns for 22-17 win over Kansas State. Texas finishes 5-7. and seven. Thank goodness there are now more bowl-eligible teams than there are bowl slots, so nobody has to have the 5-7 and seven bowl conversation. Thank goodness for that on a number of levels. But we'll break down the end of Texas season. We've got all offseason to do that. We'll talk coaching carousel and plenty of it here on the latest edition of the show. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. And don't forget, you can get this show anywhere you get your podcasts each and every week just by searching Horns 24-7. Click that follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Like I said, what a freaking time to be alive, man. Uh, He can talk college football, pop culture, whatever you want to talk about because he is a renaissance man. We're talking football on this show today where he is. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos. And a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL when he was done with football. He got himself back to Austin, Texas and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card carry member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts. Rod Babers. Great intro as always, brother. Rod B, when, when, you, uh, when you were finished watching the Texas K-State game on Friday, well, I don't know what you <laughs> did afterwards, but did you think, you know what, I'm going to wake up on Tuesday and uh, Texas is going to have a head coach, but Oklahoma and Notre Dame won't? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on, man. This is a bizarre world. Something mm-hmm. has uh, shifted the, I don't know, it's got shifted the time continuum. I yeah, don't know what happened. Something, these young some, kids these days. Yeah, something happened because we are watching uh, some unprecedented events in college football where uh, now not even blue blood jobs seem to be that's safe. The wild thing, Coaches man. are now leaving the blue blood job. So uh, that's this is a new era. So not only the transfer portal, well, you have free agency essentially in college which football is with about the one-time transfer waiver, which is about to go nuts, of course. And it should be. This is why this is why they did what they did, right? It was yeah. fair. For in the, terms yes. of player, you want in terms of player rights, when these coaches are jumping ship all over the place, hey, man, it's only fair that a player should get the chance to jump ship as well. And Especially not, when they're you know, I'm out of here Because the culture may change, systems change, you know, uh, coaches want their players, all these kind of things. Because of all that uncertainty, it was the right thing to do. This is exactly why they did it. Uh, but uh, we did not see – We did not, I don't think anybody foresaw for this type of shift happening in the landscape of college football, this, 
it is. I, I've never seen anything like it. I did not expect it. And honestly, I can't help but think that and this is me, and maybe I'm just wrong here and shouldn't be thinking like this. Did Texas settle? You know, my big thing in the Steve Sarkeesian search, the day that he was hired, I was like, okay, it's, you know, I, I hope he's great. I, I hope he works out. But I thought we were going after more of a proven commodity, somebody who had already built a program successfully. And I was told, they're not out there. You can't get them. And I was like, okay, well, I thought Texas the brand. <laughs> At least the brand give of them Texas. A call. You build them a your call. wish list. Build the wish list of all your top candidates, whoever the hell they are in, in football at any level, and then check them off. Because mm-hmm. they'll take your call. They'll mm-hmm. say no, but they'll take the call. And I was told, you know, oh, that's what Texas is doing. Well, at least I assume. Maybe I just assumed. Like, and, and when you assume, you make a out of you and me. So maybe it was my assumption that was happening. But I thought it was a safe assumption. And I was told, well, there are certain jobs co- coaches don't leave. They don't do that. But in the recent years, I've seen Jimbo Fisher leave Florida State. Now I've seen Lincoln Riley leave Oklahoma. And now I've seen Notre Dame that's the lose one. Brian Kelly. So now I got to go back and rewind. And go think to myself, did Texas settle? Nothing wrong with Sark. Nothing wrong with Sark. He's, he's going to be great, y'all. Just hope and pray. He's going to be fine. All right? It's going to take some time. But could you have done better? You're Texas. You are the brand that USC is. You got the luster. You're sexy like that, right? Mm-hmm. You got the mo- money. Apparently, it's all about money. 15 mil a year. 9 mil a year. I was told by Rem McCombs that... Only the Catholic Church has more money than Texas. That they got a print <laughs> machine back there on the forty acres. It's actually like in the basement of the tower. But we we went cheap, and, and we just learned the we Catholic Church doesn't right? because they I thought we were supposed to be making it rain. So I'm just saying, somebody just let me I, right now in my mind. I'm like, well, it looks like we settled. Yeah, and the school because we the- should have started this. Actually, the Aggies started. Shout out to the Aggies because you started. You paid big money for Jimbo. Everybody laughed at you at the time, made a guarantee, also stole him from a what was not only a blue blood, but still big-time program. I don't know if you consider FU, FSU a blue blood. I would, but they're relatively I, new. I consider Florida State a blue blood. But they're I grew just up in an com- era. Some people don't. They're they don't just a complete and utter mess right now. Exactly. My point is they stole him from a blue blood. So, yeah, good. Right. so I want to say they started. Texas should have been right after and doing the same damn thing. And I thought they would. They did not. They went a different direction, which is fine. Maybe you're Oklahoma and you get the next uh, the, the the assistant coach that turns into a great coach, but it's a little different because he used to be a head coach. And didn't really, okay, anyway, but my point <laughs> is, I can't help but think Texas settled. That's all. With everything going on, I bring it back to Texas and bring it back to what I love, and I'm thinking, damn, <laughs> I thought we was going to make that splash. I think we settled. Mm-hmm. And I mean, nothing wrong with that. You can settle and still be really happy. A lot of people are married right now. You're settled. You're happy. Good for you. <laughs> but, hey, because you, you got what was right for you. My point is, I, I thought we were going after a proven commodity, and that was not really the case. We went after what we thought was going to be compatible for us in the future, which is great. That's We all hope and pray that's the case. just didn't really look like it in the first year. So now I'm just saying, looking at all this and the way things are working out, I can't help but think that. Convince me otherwise. And it, you said it right there when talking about you know where Texas ended up. When you made the decision at the time, because yeah, it made me think of uh, what you call the nasty Nate theory, but you at least got to go <laughs> and rule. swing your shot and try to see. <laughs> King right? of the Hill fans would say it's the Boomhauer method, and that's how he goes. But yeah, at least make the calls, and I guess Texas, maybe they did or just were so focused on one name the way they were with Urban or with Saban that they didn't then go down the Rolodex and mm-hmm. do that or – it's even worse if, say, they did and they just said no to that Texas <laughs> over, say, LSU or That's USC. And because there's so much mm. involved around the Texas situation. So it is interesting to see how it goes. But, yeah, the do- way the dominoes fell is sort of like whenever the SEC stuff happened. And overnight, Texas gained leverage over the Aggies because Aggies had one thing to sell to recruits, the SEC. And then in one night out of nowhere – now that leverage is flipped, and Texas can actually use that leverage. And sort of out of nowhere, this happened where Texas had no momentum coming off a horrid year and also questions around the coaches, and people were already asking about Sark's job security. And in one night, out of the blue, your main rival that you're leaving with had to go and replace their guy, and now on the recruiting trail you can at least sell. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty. What's going on in those type of things where you got that leverage when undeserved no no reason of your own? Like it just happened to be coincidence that happened, and it may possibly put Texas in a selling point going into recruiting season. Yeah, 
I, I'm kind of – I've been trying to do the same thing you just did, Rod, and, and try to figure out, okay, what does this say about Texas? Because we sat here last fall, probably right around this time, mm-hmm. when the Urban Meyer stuff fell through. And we said, okay, if, he, if he's coaching again, because you were, you were willing to give him the keys to the kingdom. If he's coaching again somewhere, what does that say about you as a program? What does that say about this Texas job? My concern is, and I, I guess it's semantics on how we're labeling it. You, you call it settling. I, my thought process has gone to, did you just miscalculate? Like, did you? The market. Th- there's nothing wrong with, with shooting your shot, swinging for the fences, and trying to hire Urban Meyer. There's nothing wrong with that. No, if you're in Texas, yeah, that's yeah. what you should do. That's what you should yeah. do. If it didn't work out, that's fine. But what was your fallback plan? Exactly. Right? You know, you and time, timing is timing is everything on these jobs. It is. Like, think about how the Lincoln Riley thing goes down. You could say it's been in the work. We were in the works for weeks, or or what, whatever. But if Oklahoma wins Bedlam, <laughs> and Lincoln Riley leaves Stillwater, gets on the plane to go back to Norman, eleven and one, with a legit shot to win a championship, he probably he takes the phone call. But there's no way he there's no way he takes that job. There's no way he leaves that. You don't think so? I don't, I don't think, think so. I think so. I think yeah, there's I think, a chance. Eleven and one, getting ready yeah, to go to the playoffs. Been working for a yeah, while. Yeah, I don't dude. think it's that short sighted. I yeah. get what you're saying, but I, I think he would have maybe it would have delayed yeah. it at least a week. I think it might have delayed it, but I, I think it was happening, dude. Okay. For, for the reports are that Barry Trammell even said it too. He didn't want to go to the SEC. Well, and his boy that basically, Grand Perry, he, I get that. That the SEC. First of all, it's a lot. It's a lot too. I think. It's and one of his closest alignments has been in at USC for a whole year, giving him intel. Graham Harrell and all of them. And he said the first time he spoke to him was on Sunday. I think he said that right around Sunday. Well, he's morning. come out since and said it was Saturday night after it's the Saturday game. Morning. Whatever, his agent's been doing it for weeks. We know yeah. he he maybe have just spoke and he's to been USC, texting his boy. But his Graham agent Harrell. has been working for a while. That's why you have Buddy representatives. Graham he's got connections there. But also, the truth is, I think I Barry Trump was right about it. He started looking at the overall landscape of things and looking at the way that Oklahoma and himself would be perceived and where they would fall. Right. So you go into the SEC. He's used to being the apex predator. In the Big 12. We're talking mm-hmm. about unchallenged. Say what you want about Texas. Texas don't challenge Oklahoma in football. It ain't close. They won 14 Big 12 titles. <laughs> they won six of them in a row with nine different starting quarterbacks. 14 this century. 14? Dude, it's unbelievable. So he's just to think about this. You are unchallenged in your ecosystem. Why the hell do you want to go to the SEC where you're going to be third best predator or third top predator if that? Because he's going to be behind Georgia. Exactly. You're going to be behind Georgia and behind Alabama immediately, but then you got all these ambush predators. You might lose to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU. Like, ready all these and and you got Texas to play too. Florida's right. not going to be bad forever. Right. Neither, right. neither is Tennessee. I wouldn't Dude, think. You, you nine and three ain't out of the question any year for a good team in the SEC. What you about to go into? Mm-hmm. And you're the top dog here. Why don't you go somewhere? And by the way, we've done the numbers on recruiting, right? We know history of recruiting. When AM went to the SEC, there's no doubt about it. It helped them because they got more of the top recruits from the state of Texas. It also helped the SEC overall because the SEC overall got more of the top recruits in the state of Texas. We can break down the numbers, but we don't want to bore you half to death. So let's just say history is going to repeat itself. Now that Texas is truly an SEC state, Texas is going to get more of the top recruits overall, probably from SEC country, and so is the SEC, right? They're going to get more of those recruits. Well, if you're Oklahoma and most of your damn roster is from Texas, you're thinking, well, hell, man, we're going to get less of the state of Texas, which is why Lincoln Riley has already started recruiting more nationally. Spencer Rally from Arizona. Um, Caleb Williams is from what, Washington, D.C. They've already started going national. He's like, man, yeah. I can't keep siphoning from Texas. It's not enough here. Big Ten, ACC, SEC, uh, the Big 12. Everybody, rec- back to, everybody recruits Texas. Texas is Florida now. There is no one dominant program it's, exactly. it's the most. The state. I've talked to even Vance Bedford about it. It's the most cutthroat environment competitive-wise in recruiting it's ever been in the state of Texas in the history of the state. <laughs> so why not go to, to the Pac-12 where you can replicate being the apex predator if you could bring USC back. You can lock down Southern California because you got a better chance of, of, of guarding um, the, the border of, of Southern California mm-hmm. off from the SEC because they, sure. sometimes they come over there because they got Bryce Young and Tua from Cali, but that's because USC ain't really have nothing to offer 
for? What if you bring it back? All that talent from Southern California goes there. You got your own natural recruiting base, a fertile recruiting ground that you own, which Oklahoma has never had in the history of the program, even though they've been dominant. And you can be the apex predator yeah. in the Pac-12. You can basically do what you're doing in the Big 12. You can do that in even the Pac-12. Even easier. Even easier. And you had an easier road to the college football playoff. It makes it to me, it was, it's, man, it's, it's Tupac going to death row. It's LeBron going to the Lakers. It makes perfect sense, and it's going to work. We all know it's going to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's why we're all like, damn, this, this is legit. This is going to well, be a seismic shift for college football overall. I'll say, I'll say something, too. Like, Matt, you talk about the recruiting aspect of it. You've got a Texas staff under Steve Sarkeesian. They have and want to continue to recruit Southern California. Mm-hmm. That just became a whole hell of a lot harder. Yeah, that's tougher. With that staff over there. And, and Oklahoma is one of those programs, even, even when, they have it ro- which, when they have it rolling, it's been rolling for the last quarter century, <laughs> they recruit nationally anyway. They do. I mean, the bulk of their roster is from Texas, yeah. but that brand is strong enough that you can go to Southern California or Arizona. Hell, you can go to the Midwest. We've seen guys – Bob Stoops, I've also seen him go to you know places like like Baltimore, D.C. We talk about Caleb no, Williams can. from D.C. No, you uh, it's a national brand. But, my, but my, going back to my point on Lincoln Riley. Well, so is Lincoln Riley. You're right. <laughs> going back to my point on Lincoln Riley about how timing is everything. Maybe it delays it, but to Oklahoma losing that game on Saturday. Mike Bone and the powers that be at USC, they said, this is our shot right here. They just lost the game. They're not going to the Big 12 championship game. If we're going to get Lincoln Riley, we've got to go full court press, give him whatever he wants, and do it right now. They seized the opportunity for their open window, and they went and got it done. That's true. That was going to be their plan. LSU, I do believe Lincoln Riley was their top choice. Mm. Brian Kelly's not a bad fallback plan at all. Guys, he is the winningest head coach in Notre Dame history. Think about that. Yeah. That's a, Notre Dame's a job kind of like Texas. Typically, you don't get to decide when you leave that job. Mm-hmm. You know, the list of guys like Eric Parsegian, Daryl Royal, it's a very short list of guys that have worked at either place that get to decide when they're done. Mm-hmm. And Brian Kelly just left on his own volition not to take an NFL job, not to ride off into the sunset, to go coach at LSU. And, and to your point, Rod, about the, about the SEC deal, I love this. One of my buddies who's a high school coach, Texting me this uh, after the Brian Kelly news came out, and I love it. He said, Kelly and Riley, the juxtaposition of two coaches with probably the most secure jobs in the country and currently maybe the easiest route to the playoff, one leaving to get away from the SEC, and Matt bleep this if you have to, and the other about to walk into that dogfight with a smile on his face and his nuts, and his nuts dragging the ground. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to see. Yeah, but I will say, if you're going to go somewhere, LSU is the spot, right? They've won in the last 20 years. They won three national titles with three different coaches. I was thinking about this, Rod. They're the modern-day Miami. Like, I'm saying, so they've been yeah. able to do it in different, yeah. with different variations, different coaching styles, different cultures. So LSU is the spot because we know in terms of per capita, hell, in the last 20 years, Louisiana, the state of Louisiana per capita has produced as many NFL players as any state. You know the benefit LSU. That's crazy considering how small it is. And LSU has no natural predators Mm -mm. in that state. They they run that state with an iron fist. Louisiana Tech, I guess, or whatever. Maybe Mm -hmm. they can contend. But that's it. They get all the top players in one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country. That's why they can do that. That's why Texas needs to dip in there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna to win in Indiana. You're gonna yeah. win far more <laughs> battles than you lose, and and I think if you look at Brian Kelly, I, I think it's two guys at different stages of their careers. When you look at Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, like I think Lincoln Riley is Lincoln Riley's with 38, and I think he's looking for where do I want to be for the next 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about the SEC part of it. To me, this is almost. And I guess the SEC part does play into it. Now, now knowing what we know now, what has been unearthed, the only thing I compare it to in sports is it's kind of like when the Spurs were making that organizational transition mm-hmm. from the the Tony the, the Tony Parker Tim Duncan Monte Ginobili core, and thinking, oh, we're just going to hand it hand the baton to Kawhi Leonard and he'll carry it. Yeah, but he wasn't really down to to be that kind of guy. He just yeah, it's true. You just you. You picked the wrong guy to do that. That's a good point. And Oklahoma, for everything that they offer Lincoln Riley. I mean, and think about this. Like, I think the thing that hurts Oklahoma fans probably, if they really look at it, the thing that should hurt you more is, yeah, Bob Stoops is loyal to Oklahoma. Everybody in Oklahoma loves Bob Stoops. Mm -hmm. 
Lincoln Riley saved that program from the downturn it was in. I mean, think about it. Oklahoma was 8-5 and five in 2014, which for Oklahoma is a, a down year. And talk to people. I mean, I, I talked to people that kind of were there doing some consulting and kind of looking under the hood, and they're like, dude, this program's a mess. Like, it, it's, it's going downhill fast. And Lincoln Riley, the, the combination of Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield saved you. He brought in Lincoln Riley, though. He did. Oh yeah, <laughs> the man's he got knew, an eye for coaching talent. Right. Yeah, he, he knew when to hand out. the keys and over. He, exactly. That's just. But Lincoln, Lincoln like, Riley, Lincoln Riley saved that I program that. No from doubt. a downturn. Yeah. And gets it to the point where where it is now, mm-hmm. and dominant. He just as good of a job as Oklahoma is. He went to one of maybe what I would consider probably the two or three jobs that are better than that. Yeah. No, it's that it's, list. The list of jobs that I would say are better than Oklahoma. USC's on that very, very, very. Yeah, short you have list. a Nash. You need that. Just it's geographic. It comes down to where you end up having the recruiting bed, and then the there's three. There's three to money. me. There's three to me that are better that that I would put above. I'm not talking about in terms of historical program greatness. I'm talking about jobs. Right now, because that stuff doesn't talking, matter nearly as much. Well, I'm talking about just greatness the way it not did not, for, not used to, especially yeah. the kids. These all days. things yeah. equal. All things equal. I think the three best jobs. My opinion: the three best jobs in college football: Texas, USC, and Ohio State. Yeah, because I think um, you know. Cause and I'll throw about- LSU in there. I'll throw LSU in there also because of what we talked about. You yeah. are the state school in an extremely right. fertile. Recruiting. And the reason USC, in, I think, in a new era can trump a lot of other of a lot of other brands that you just named, and Austin and Texas in that case too because of Austin, right? It's because mm-hmm. of the city. Like it's it's in LA. I mean, it's, it's in Hollywood, and Riley. we're talking about the name, image, and likeness era in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That is something that is untapped, and I think Lincoln Wright looked at it and went, "Name, image, and likeness in Hollywood." Mm-hmm. Damn, my brand with three starting quarterbacks in the NFL in a fertile recruiting ground that is also a quarterback mecca with Hollywood and name, image, and likeness in USC. And my family would and if be I, happy you, instead right? of being and in I, and I can bring in it back. It's just, you know, and listen, the women are hotter. I know it sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but when you're recruiting, I know that sounds crazy. I know it's like, what? That's, right, that's very misogynistic. Kids 18. No, no, exactly. You're talking about hormonal males of 17 <laughs> to 18 years life old, on. and you take them out to a beach where women are wearing bathing suits and say, hey, you're going to go to school here, as opposed to Norman, Oklahoma, where yes. yeah, I'm sure the women are pretty, but... Ain't like the women in L.A. Yeah, and then <laughs> the women like in your women family in are going to like it a lot yeah. better Listen, in L.A. There are beautiful women all over the place. I'm not saying one place has, oh, significantly hotter women. But let's be honest, guys. It's L.A. Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows. Like, it's, uh, it's one of those places where it's hard to find ugly people. It's like Miami, it's hard to find. Uh, I, I saw homeless people that were good looking in Miami. That's how LA is. Like, come on. So I'm saying that's part. He just looked at all of them and went, listen, at, at the zenith, if I take Oklahoma to, the, to their zenith, and I take USC to its zenith, USC has a higher ceiling. Yeah. And, and we all agree with that. The amount of time and that's what that he's that thinking left. about. We look around, it's, these jobs don't just open up every day. They and don't. Like, he was like, oh, if the right guy gets in there and gets it rolling, I'm never going to have never this gonna shot. Have a shot. And at this it. time, it's the same thing. And that's why the domino effect. I mean, how when do you end up where like somehow Florida's just sitting around? It's like, hey, we need a coach, too. Like, they're all over the place. You yeah, know, right about uh, that. And give Scott Woodward some credit, too, by the way. Oh, man. This guy hired Chris Peterson away from Boise State, right? He uh, got Jimbo Fisher to leave Florida State, and then now Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame. That is a salesman, mm-hmm. gentlemen. That's yeah. a man that can sell a job. So that, that was kind of my complaint about Texas and Sim selling the job. Yes, I know Texas is a bit of a fuster cluck. I get it. It's an S show. But you should be able to polish that, that brand off and sell that brand with all the money and Austin and name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And if you want the fastest growing season in the country, I just wasn't surprised that Texas didn't make one of them moves. And I understand maybe it's just Scott Woodard. Maybe he's just that damn good. Maybe nobody else can sell a brand like him. Um, but USC just did. So that's kind of my point of getting it back to Texas. Like, eh, yeah. That's kind of why I was still, in my heart, I'm thinking they settled. Like I said, still doesn't mean that Texas didn't find the right person. But looking at all this going on right now, Come on, man. T- timing worked out. <laughs> timing worked out in USC's favor with Lincoln Riley. Timing didn't work out for LSU and Lincoln Riley. But like I said, Brian Kelly's a hell of a fallback plan, which gets me to my point with Texas, Rod. When you missed on Urban Meyer, and again, nothing wrong with with swinging for the fences. Hey, it's gonna happen. We've I mean, I, it. I think if you want the quick fix, man. I didn't know Lincoln Riley was available. But if you want the quick fix, to me, <laughs> there's two guys in college football that can do it. 
Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. Yeah, it takes you want the you want the quick fix. You want to say, hey, we're going to be contending for national championships in two yeah. to three years. Those are the two guys that can get you there. I don't even think Texas thought to call Oklahoma or call Lincoln Riley to come. Should have. Didn't his parents like go to Texas or something? Yeah, he grew, well, he's, he's admitted he grew, he grew up in Texas. So. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. From Should have. Like I said, swinging for the fences. Yeah, I love getting turned down by but, a dime piece. It's <laughs> better than getting rejected by a six. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, that's my concern with Texas is what was Sark your fallback plan? And I know from everything I heard, Texas vetted guys. They've you know Matt Campbell and James Franklin and Mario Cristobal. Um, did they try to call Brian Kelly? Did they try to call Matt Rule? Come on. Right? And so, like, did you? Because now I need to know. <laughs> I, I, now I'm looking at yeah. all these chips. I'm like, did, did you call them? I mean, I know you might assume they were going to reject you, but did you call them? Yeah. I just need to know if you but called them. It's, it's like, yeah. you you know, it's like we talked about when, anytime we talked about a coaching search, you can call Nick Saban. You have to. You have to make the phone call. You know Jimmy Sexton. Just hit him up and say, and, hey, and he'll Sexton, say no. Hit up all your guys for me. But maybe there's a nugget within that conversation that leads you down the road to where you do hire the right guy. Mm. Or maybe Matt Rule can say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. But if you talk to so-and-so, yeah, oh, listen, you should be looking at so-and-so. Maybe Matt's right. Maybe he called all those guys. And maybe they all said no, which is a – much deeper and disturbing conversation that I don't think we can have right now. <laughs> that if though basically your yeah. so una, your your fuster clock is so unattractive, you can't write a number big enough on that paper. That's where you hope you didn't go. That they actually Ooh. did open up the the bank account and went. Listen, Blake, check man, you can be the highest paid coach in the history of college football, fifteen million dollars a year. Come on, come on, come on, Brian Kelly, come here. Like, nah, I don't man. want to deal with that. Nah, man. I'm all right. <laughs> and if nah, that's the case. no thanks. Uh, or you got a guy there that can't sell it. Could also be the case, which is also I said a deeper discussion, which I don't want to get into, and I don't I don't want to talk about that. Well, yeah, right but now. I but I know <laughs> in, in terms of that, when we're talking about Texas. How many people are selling it, and and is the sales pitch the same? Could also be the case. <laughs> exactly, I don't know. I, when exactly. you're talking about Texas, you got to bring go. that part of it in. That's, that's a great point. All those things could be true, and all those are random, you know, hypotheticals, and you know. But I don't know. I mean, you know. I don't want to disappoint anybody you know, by us having this show this week talking about Lincoln Riley and we're not just gloating over Oklahoma losing a head coach because it is it is phenomenal to me when you look at Oklahoma's football history and you think, okay, you lose a coach or whatever, you you got to swing for the fences, you you got to go hire a big name. There's only been one time, I think, ever that they've hired a sitting head coach or a guy that – yeah, a sitting head coach. That's and, and it was disastrous. Howard Schnellenberger, it worked out for one year. He was there for one year. Yeah. But Bud Wilkinson was promoted from within. Barry Switzer was promoted from within. Bob Stoops was the defensive coordinator of Florida. Lincoln Riley was promoted from within. Chuck Fairbanks was promoted from within. Like the great coaches in the history of that program were were not sitting head coaches. So that means they develop coaching talent really well. Or can I identify it? And I well both. Yeah. <laughs> Both. <laughs> there's there's Cold something debate. weird. Yeah. I gotta look at it. Like Jim McKenzie, who was the head coach at Oklahoma for one year before he, Chuck Fairbanks was on his staff. He coached in '66, then had a heart attack in the offseason and passed away. And then Chuck Fairbanks mm-hmm. got the job. Like Oklahoma fans will say, Jim McKenzie assembled like the best staff maybe in the history of college football because Chuck Fairbanks, Barry Switzer, Jimmy Johnson, like f- like future NFL and, and national championship Super Bowl winning head coaches. They're Four or five, six of them on that staff. Just an insane, insane coaching staff that Jim McKenzie put together in 66. That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's – Oklahoma has a way they've hired coaches. This is the way they've always done it, and and it's always worked. And you know what? They're – all indications are Brent Venables is going to be their guy. And it makes sense because Bob Stoops – we talked about it before the show. Like, Bob Stoops is almost going to be like what Darrell Royal was at Texas. Mm. Like – He's going to retire, and other than, hey, we need you to be the interim head coach for this bowl game. He's going to stay retired. I'll help the program in any way I can. Yeah. I just don't want any part of being back on that sideline, and Bill's, I don't want to do it for anybody else. Bill Snyder to K-State kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like, 
He I'm was, just around. I'm, I'm a sooner for life. And I love yeah. living in, living in Norman. I mean, look, we sometimes well, we Snyder we, had to retire and even came back. They came back. It's a coach in his own stadium. Yes, name the stadium after. <laughs> sometimes Bob Stoops doing that right now. That's one thing he, he he thought he handed it over. That's one thing he's like the kid he handed it over. Oh, to you're right. To I, now I feel he feel like he failed the program. Yes, he's like I handed it over to somebody that turned their back. But he was all disappointed. He's like you don't have the love for Oklahoma. That's a great point. And that just shows the generations being. Much different. Sometimes, exactly. sometimes we treat them living in Norman or College Station like it's Beirut. Like it's not, it's not that bad. Like they're no, worse it's places. not. It's not L.A. But you know, <laughs> Amen, brother. It ain't yes. Beirut either. Yeah, um, you're right about that, man. Some some programs and cultures have developed a really, and maybe out of necessity, right? Some of them, like Baylor, has to, they developed a good hiring process. Like they hire well. Yeah. Say what you want to talk about football, but specifically help. They actually hire well in other sports too. But and I think Oklahoma has kind of figured out what their niche is in the hiring process. Texas has not really done well in their hiring process. So I'm with it. That's what makes me a little bit. I know Longhorn fans want to celebrate Lincoln Riley leaving, and that's good. He's going to leave. And I know Oklahoma currently is in a bit, you know, in disarray. Mm-hmm. But that's a hell of a football it's program. Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma. They're going to hire well, and then they're going to come back with a freaking vengeance. I, I think that's history would tell us that. Yeah, but the ven- to the Venables' <laughs> point, to the Venables' point, Bob Stoops is still there. Venables is a Stoops guy, even going mm-hmm. back to the K State days. Yep. And you look at the assistant coaches that are still hanging around, and that's another as, as you kind of you know, peel the layers of the onion back on this Lincoln Riley deal. It sounds like there was kind of a rift developing within the staff of you know Lincoln Riley's guys. Which, by the way, Lincoln Riley's guys are the guys that got on that first flight out of Norman what? to L.A. Wow. And. The guys on that staff, you know, DeMarco Murray and Joe John Finley and Calvin Thibodeau, guys that played for Bob Stoops. They, they're Oklahoma guys. They're not loyal to Lincoln Riley. They're loyal to that program. Yeah. Good point. And uh, I think if you – and talking to some OU people that said, you're probably going to stay in the family. Like everybody's looking at Josh Heupel, but I was like, hey, man, a guy that I like personally, like I wouldn't have minded if Jay Norvell would have gotten a call. Mm, interesting, yeah. Jay Norvell, we'll but, see in Nevada. Nevada, yeah, and done a good job. There. But Brent Venables is probably—it's time like for him. It's Venables. time for him to become a head coach. Well, I'll tell you who they hire as their offensive coordinator is going to be crucial in well, that case because just like when yeah. Bob Stoops came in, figuring out Mike Leach and the air raid needs to be the culture that I make compatible with my defensive uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's going to be crucial. I don't know who they're going to bring the in. Early, Lincoln Rice got a little brother at SMU. Go get the <laughs> early rumored innuendo is the Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. Who is an OU grad? Another Stoops guy. He's part of the Stoops family. Right. That inner circle. I like that. Uh, but if you and if you if you get Jeff Lebby, you get the, his version of the Veer and Shoot. There aren't that many guys that know that offense. He's one of them. Mm, is Lane Kiffin call the plays? No, Lebby is. Oh, he's calling the plays. Lebby calls the plays. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Kiffin likes that Veer and Shoot. Like he had Kendall Browse as his OC at, yeah. at Florida Atlantic, and then. If you want Art Brawl's offense, go hire a son-in-law. That's true. <laughs> it's not Good a point. bad place to go to yeah. get that offense. Or hire Kendall Brawls. If you want it. Can they hire Kendall Brawls? If he likes it that much, go hire, Ke- go hire the Kendall Brawls. I don't know. Or is it – I mean, it can't be that toxic. He's right there in Arkansas. Yeah, but Jeff, like I said, Jeff Levy's an OU guy, so I think yeah, – That's you know. true. That's the early rumor in your window. I, I, if I'm a, if I want if I wanted a certain offensive philosophy, I'm gonna go get it straight from the damn tree, like literally as close as I could get to the root of it. And if you want the very shooting, you love it that much, and you want it to be. That's why you went and got Mike Leach. You didn't go get somebody that coached other Mike Leach. No, you went and got one of the guys who's one of the godfathers of the air raid. I would do the same thing. I'd just go like, you know what? Let's go pay Kendra Browse a ton of money and let's bring him in because he can run it. If that's what you want. Don't set. Yeah. Don't settle. <clears throat> Theme of the show. Don't settle. No, I think Levy's good. Levy's good. Le- Levy's been mentioned for some head coaching jobs. So, I, I, if I'm an OU fan, I would be excited for that hire. But that's the point we're making. Like Longhorn fans, you can be, you can scoff at the Sooners, whatever. But chances are, if you look at their history, chances are are, are better that they're going to make the right hire than not. Yeah, no, and that, that they're going to be okay. Yeah, I agree with that in the long run. And again, once again. Start worrying about what's going on inside your own house. Like, ha, you just you just uh, lost your head coach. Like, dude, your house is on fire right now. Why are you why are you scoffing at me? Yeah, Longhorn fans are that uh that 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 meme uh of that little girl who is on the swing set in front of the house that's on fire with yeah. that look on her face. <laughs> like, yeah. that's in like, your I own know they're world. Ha- they're having fun with this chaos, but it's like, yeah, the house 
is on fire. And uh, <laughs> since y'all brought it up, it's a good point, and it's a little tangent, but you brought up uh, Lane Kiffin and play calling, and there's a great quote from Lane, and being that Lane and Sark, you know, aligned together mm-hmm. coming up offensively, made me think because Sark's still calling plays. And still this is plays. from Lane back in September of 2020, so before last year on the McAfee show, and he's like, I've given up more play calling. You really have to do it if you're going to do – or you really have to if you're going to do everything. I think when you do that, you connect with your players and on the other side much more, and it allows you to manage the game better. When I was play calling as a head coach and all the plays, I'm over there making adjustments while mm. the defense is on the field. I don't see a penalty that happens or see something I can help them with. I think you do a lot better of a job this way and that goes back to something we've been talking about how different Sark's job is here compared to what it's been since when he was at Alabama as the OC. Mike Mike Gundy had a similar quote back in the day too about giving up the play calling duties. That's interesting I mean I don't think Sark will because if he does that, like, what just be honest, you do what, here. what is your unique ability, bro? Because honestly, as a head coach and a game manager, I don't know how great you are. But as a play caller or a play designer, I love you. I think you're awesome. But, yeah. I mean, you tell me all you're going to do is be a head coach? Uh, I think not. And that's, that's what Herman, I mean, Herman had to fight with that. Yeah, and then I, I when he that. fired his guy, he yeah. had to come back and get one. But he's still successful at it. The reason those guys had to change is because they started losing. Yeah. As a result, their game management lack thereof. Lincoln Riley, I know some OU fans have been complaining about his game management, but he's winning. Yes. He's winning titles as the play caller, so that's the deal. And the same thing with Sark. In a couple of years, if he's still having issues managing the game, managing the clock, it's going to come up like, dude, you might need a play caller. And then that's the beginning of the end for Sark. Yeah. Because that's he loses his value. His value yep. is a play caller. It's a tough situation. Tough situation. Though. Yeah, that's kind of the situation you're talking about, Rod, where you got to make that change. Like Jimbo Fisher, I think, is in that spot right now. Oh, is he, yeah, because he's, he's still calling plays, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you're right. He might be in that spot. He might be right there where it's like, I got to make a change. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Yeah. And he's got to find somebody you really trust. And it's a trust issue about yeah. giving up that, you know, that responsibility of play calling. But, yeah, you might be right. I think you're right about Jimbo, actually, now that I've been watching it. It's funny to look Sark's at not there yet. the situation because no. <laughs> the name just reminded me of it. But where Texas was with Tom Herman four or five years ago in regards to LSU, Lincoln Riley, it just happened to him again. It was like last time they thought they had their guy, Tom Herman. Nope, Texas. And they're like, we thought we had our guy, Lincoln Riley. Nope, USC. Then they still won a national title with, the guy, with the guy they settled for. See, F- so you can settle Longhorns and it can still work out for you. Because you need Moral of the show. You need good analysts. The way that Oedo says. <laughs> yeah, you better go hire you a Joe Brady. <laughs> What's your Dave Aranda? Because Pete Kwiatkowski ain't it right now. <laughs> Unfortunately. Hire a good staff. Well, yeah, right. LSU, LSU, again, LSU missed on Lincoln Riley, but they go, they go, the Brian Kelly thing, like I said, I think it's guys at two different points in their career. Lincoln Riley's looking at, where, where can I spend the next 10 to 15 years and be comfortable and, and build something? Because honestly, like, I don't know, USC's got some giants that have coached there, like John McKay, Pete Carroll, John Robinson, but they've been so just up and down for so long. Yeah. This is almost like Mac Brown taking over at Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, it's been, it's been a re- pretty rough decade plus, but now we got the guy that there's no question this guy's going to win. It's just a matter of how big is he going to win and how soon is it going to happen. Texas not- was in better shape, though. They had won Big 12 yes. titles the years before that. And I agree. You had four, but everybody, four five first-round draft picks on the roster. Everybody was ready for Heisman Trophy winner. Everybody was ready to move on from John Malkovich, though. <laughs> I and, agree with you on that. Yeah. Though, yeah. Um, Brian Kelly is different because at his age, it was Brian Kelly, 59, 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's the one thing he hasn't done? He hasn't won a national championship. Again, right. he is, <laughs> it blows my mind. He's the winningest head coach in the history of Notre Dame football. Yeah, that's amazing. You're, 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 you're a Hall of Famer at that point. Yeah, I agree. You're a Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah. One thing he hasn't done is win a national championship. And see if you can be, what would he be, the fourth? He'd be the fourth different head coach since 2003 to win a national win championship. National title at, at LSU. That's and it, it, can, it can happen. So yeah. it's, it's, it's what Miami was in the, in the 80s and early 90s. It's basically what LSU and people forget that, LA, that Notre Dame doesn't pay a lot of money though for their coaches no. that's one thing you know they haven't been a big they haven't gotten into you know this kind of uh sweepstakes if you will they really haven't gotten into the bidding wars I wonder if they'll decide to kind of either promote from within or go with a coordinator because they don't like to pay There's a lot of money. And that's why Miami fell off because Miami also yeah. doesn't have state money the way LSU mm-hmm. does. Like it's a private school and it's tougher to be able to do and that. And Notre got the money. They just, they just notoriously don't, don't really spend it on high-profile like, And that's a totally – because right about, now – We're Brian talking about Kelly, Texas has been behind the time on facilities. 
Yep, Notre Dame. Rod, you had buddies that played at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And that's where it's, you know, look at Notre Dame. It's not a great job the way it used to be. It's viewed that way, but it's hard to get kids to want to go play football in Indiana. We talk about it's a cold version of Norman. It's just in the middle of nowhere. Great description. And then you go and look at the the Catholic Church. I would rather live in Oklahoma City metro area than South Bend. I would, too. Because there's no denying that, like, you have to go and look at – Kelly at Notre Dame had some controversy. He had the death on the field, mm-hmm. had like his yeah. random ass, you know, execution of his players quote after beating Florida State and those type of things. When you're at a school, a private place like Notre Dame, where they actually other people on the other side maybe care about the image or what you're saying. You go to LSU, they don't care. You're a highbrow version of a coach after it. Oh, like going down there, that's exactly just, I need a football assassin to come in and coach football, and yep. that fits perfect. And he's getting paid. It was something he wasn't really getting paid. Yeah, twice his, as much. His value. Yeah. I keep forgetting the point I'm making, but Lincoln Riley going to SC, it's also like, yes, they've had some Titans there, but, you know, no matter what, he would have had to win a national championship and probably multiple national championships at Oklahoma to get out of that that's a big shadow that not only Bud Wilkinson casts, that Barry Switzer still casts, but right? man, Bob Stoops is still there. Still there, literally. He is walking and, around. And to a generation of Oklahoma fans, he is their head coach. Well, he got, well, he won a national title. Until yeah. you win the national title, you cannot escape from underneath those guys' shadow. And I, I think Lincoln Riley's looking at it and going, I don't know if it's a slam dunk here. Yeah, especially going now, forward. Now, exactly, right? He's like, if I stayed here in the Big 12 and we went at the status quo, oh, great. I, I could win a national title. Just give me two, three more years. I just turned the defense around. I'll be fine. But now going to the SEC, mm, it's, there's, it's not a slam dunk. You're going to win a national title even in Lincoln Riley's tenure there, period. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just not. The SEC is that competitive. So I think he's looking at it saying, no, I'll give me a national title definitely when I turn U- USC around. And mm-hmm. he's right. And looking at will. Oklahoma, recruiting kids there, like we were saying, they want to go to a place like L.A. Like, yeah, you would go to Norman for just tradition, but it's not going there for no. anything else. And right, that's something see- that's forever going to be with a place that's when you have a just a, – it's a generic college town like any other small generic college town. Like exactly. that's your most appealable thing. And eh, that's a tough tipping point when you're dealing with tiebreakers when your kids on the elite level are trying to weigh every option. and. Well, those boxes aren't checked. Well, look there. at the businesses now. We're talking about name, image, and likeness. So we're talking about Huge. corporations Markets, now. The can money. Get in and help you recruit. And now I'm going to LA. I'm going to one at, of the largest markets in uh, in the world. Yes. Ad rates are the most. So I can get everybody name, image, and likeness deals. I got it, whether it be some local business or whether it be a huge corporation. And I know Oklahoma does have brand influence, but not like USC in Hollywood. Not a talent fee. When you're talking about a talent <laughs> fee, go and do sports radio. Radio in mm. Norman and how much money yeah. can you get per advertisement yeah. compared to what you get at yeah. L.A. And the same thing with name, image, likeness, yeah. having that type of viewership. I mean, it's probably tenfold the money that you can get there, and that's a huge deal, especially with NIL. Yeah. I, was, I was watching the Trojan War 30 for 30 that covers the Pete Carroll mm. era, mm. and it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of colleges have parties on campus and parties in the city that surrounds the campus. It's like, just so happens – our parties off campus are on Sunset Boulevard. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. Like that is a surreal college experience. Yes. Like you cannot. So I'm. I, I think it's gonna. I don't know. I think it's gonna change college football. Um. But yeah. let, let's let's look at Texas. And uh, if you look at the K State game, I texted you guys when this happened. As we as we shifted back to Texas, the 71 yard Will Howard touchdown run. That might be of of all the low points defensively this year. That might be rock bottom because you can watch film and you can see, you know what, it was just that one guy that took on a block with the wrong shoulder and maybe one bad angle that had everybody else did their job, but these couple guys, they let it happen. If you watch that play, I don't think any of the 11 guys that were on defense did anything right. I rewatched like three like it times is very rare. Right. It is very rare that that happens. It was a bad I don't play. think any, any of the 11 guys did anything right. Yeah, no, it was, it was a bad play. And um, you combine that with, look, let's not beat around the bush. B.J. Foster was the culprit when Sark is pointing out lack of effort. And, and the we, guy that didn't play, that he had to basically bench. Yeah, we didn't see him, I didn't, we didn't see him uh, thereafter. No. And – I don't know. If I'm taking anything from that game, tangible, from the game itself, the move to – that's the first time – and, look, maybe he should have done it earlier, but maybe he was trying to, you know, 
keep a team together and, and keep things from splintering even in the middle of this catastrophe that yeah. was the 2021 season and maybe try not to lose some of those veteran guys. But this was the first time that I've heard him publicly just call out a lack of effort. Yeah. So I said, ah, guys are fighting, they're trying. He's like, effort wasn't good. And we had to get some guys on the field where the effort was going to be good. And, again, I, I, maybe that change should have been made sooner, but it just decided, you know, and, and maybe it sucked that it took till game 12 to figure it out, but it's like, you know what, I, I'm gonna, if we're going to go down, I'm at least going to go down with guys that care. That's how you build a culture. And that's that's <laughs> if if anything comes out of this game, Rod. To me, that's it. That okay, maybe that's the first step in getting the culture where you want it to be. I know it was a little disappointing that it took the last game of the season true, very to true. start to build the culture of accountability. Where oh, if you don't do your job, you don't play. And it's a, it's a high Lamar High School. That was the culture. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do your job, you don't play. Like, do your damn job. It's up in all the locker rooms. You don't do your job. You don't play. That's how you build the culture. I'm going to put a guy out there. He may not have your athletic talent. He may not have your instincts, but you know what he's going to do? His damn job. And when he does his job, he's going to play. And the more talented guy will sit on the bench. That's how you build a culture of accountability. You've been a coach at two different programs. It took you to the last game of the season at your third stop to realize, on a a four-win team, to realize, you know what? If you don't do your job, you don't play. I'm going to put a guy in there who does his job and a guy that gives us maximum effort. How about that? Revolutionary idea. Been doing it in Texas high school football for the last 100 years. Like, what the hell? Are you serious? And people are like, that's great. Good job. Sorry, I got the guys on the field who would try. Okay. If this is the, if this is the rate at, that we're learning, because you're learning on the job, this is the rate you're learning, you won't be here in four years. Sorry. If this is how slow it takes to put the guys on the field who are going to give you maximum effort and do their job, it took you 12 games (laughs) to figure out that's what we're going to do? Either that. We're praising this? We're praising that? I mean, I I haven't heard anybody, but I might be out of the loop. But to be fair, I don't think I've heard that. I got to say, that's good. Okay, well, good job, Sark. Sark has the patience of Job, Job. one or the other. And he just saw all he could see until he couldn't stand no more. Good job. I mean, he's learning. So as long as we're as long as we're learning, that's what counts. Might as well go out there like Matt Campbell from now on and just say, we're just trying to be the best version of ourselves. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, I don't it's right. it's not ideal either, but you know, hope maybe it's the defense was better against a quarterback who could only run. Thinking about this. The defense literally, I mean, the game plan was pretty simple going into the game. Will Howard can't throw. Why, why the hell they're still trying to experiment with him at quarterback? That's on them. He should be playing safety or wide receiver at Something this point. Else. Mm-hmm. He ain't he ain't a quarterback. He ain't the future Scholar Thompson. But that was that's why the game plan was simple. And honestly, and they have Deuce Vaughn, who was a game changer, and he made plays. But I'm glad the defense stood their ground on third and one twice, fourth and one twice. That's what won the game, and that's what you have to do as a defense. You got to win some of those third downs. They won more of them, uh, more than their share. They, I think they were one of nine on third downs. So great, yeah. great job there. But let's be honest, it was a one-dimensional. Essentially, it was another. It was a low-budget Arkansas game. You got the same. It's the same situation yeah. where listen, the quarterback can't really beat you throwing the ball, but they can run the ball and they can run it really well. That's Play one thing they defense. do well. So how can you stop a one-dimensional team? You couldn't do it versus Arkansas. You did it versus K State in the last game of the season. Congratulations. Step in the right direction. What do you want? You want a ribbon? Yeah. No, did I, your job. Like Chris Rock said, you don't get credit for doing things you're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. I saw effort. Exactly. I, That's what we're congratulating now this team. No, I'm with you. It is baby yeah. steps, but you see my frustration that we are rewarding. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have dropped I, so far now. We reward just effort. And that's just where effort. I hope we have a coach who just puts part. the guys on the field who give you effort. And he wants us to give him like credit for that. And I'm uh, like, I'm not giving you credit for that, Sark. I'm pointing the it last out. game of the season. You should have did that the sixth the sixth game of the season. Because by the way, I saw lack of effort in game two. I saw lack of effort early on in the season. How about you? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it, it's don't don't apologize, Rod. Like I said, yeah, no I, need to apologize. I just maybe not be on the pulse of Texas fans. I just hadn't heard as, as much congratulation. But y'all, obviously, you're on a message board. You're on radio. And no, I don't think anybody's congratulating it. It's just okay. it, I, I'm of the mind that look, I, I, at least it got done at some point. And so now maybe you can take that and spin that forward. But uh, the bottom line for me is there's 
other than the seniors getting to get a win in their last game, which is good, and, and, and go out, go out with a win, get knowing what that feeling is like again of winning a ball game, just snapping that losing streak. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't think there is anything you can take out of this game that you can spin forward. Like it's, it's over. You can just close the book on twenty one. Everybody got to feel good for the weekend and. Boom, going to the offseason, and now you can start to purge this roster and, and fix what needs to get fixed to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, no, 2022 is all it's about. You're done. Find that transfer yeah. portal and get all those different spots so you can. So here's the deal. Here's the deal with that. Let me, let me address that. That piece of it annoys me more than anything. <laughs> People treat the portal like it's NFL free agency. Oh, grab this guy and this All-American. Like, go look at what Texas got out of the portal last year. When you go to other... Power five programs, those are typically the kind of guys you get. And I appreciate the efforts that Ray Thornton and an Ovia Gofu and a Ben Davis gave you. Mm-hmm. The difference makers from the power five level that you're gonna get are very it's it's a very small pool. Agreed. More often than not, you're just getting roster fillers, depth guys, guys that ideally what you hope to get out of the portal. And that's what Texas needs, though. What you hope to get out of the portal. Yeah. You hope for Parker Brown. You hope that if I've got a hole, here's Calvin a guy. Well, yeah. I'll get to Calvin Anderson in a second. You hope for Parker Braun that if you got a hole, eh, Parker Braun's case, left guard. I can put him there for left guard, and I, I don't have to worry about it for 12 or 13 games. Just whatever. Maybe he's not an All-American, but I don't have to worry about it. He's just a good, solid starter that I can trust to go get the job done. Maybe he's not perfect. Okay. He's going to lose some. Uh, I would say probably a notch above Ray Thorne. Okay, notch above Ray Thorne. Ovia okay. Gofu made a big play. But probably probably what Ovia Gofu Right, okay. Okay. The Calvin Anderson route. The Calvin Anderson route, I think, is the route you need to go when you go into the portal. You've got to, and this is where your recruiting staff, your personnel department, this is where those guys have to prove their worth and prove their value. You've got to start looking for G5 transfers, FCS transfers. Guys that have a lot of experience. Ray Thornton and Ben Davis, they played on teams that won national championships. They were backups on national championship teams. Take got because if you're going if you're a G five transfer and you're a multiple year starter, Calvin Anderson's a great example. Started thirty six games at Rice. Mm-hmm. Why did, why was Calvin Anderson looking to move up? If I'm gonna make it to the league, to go to I gotta league. have film against power five competition. Yep. Big twelve, SEC, Big Ten type competition. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of guys you need to go looking for in the portal. So you can look at, oh, this guy was a five-star recruiter, a four-star recruiter, and a backup at Clemson or Alabama or wherever. This is where you really need your personnel department to be good. You've got to mind those G5 transfers. You've got to find that next Calvin Anderson. You've got to find that next Kenneth Walker, the guy that's a really damn good player that really all he needs is good tape against good competition, and he's in the league. I like that. You're right. Yep, and go out on the recruiting trail, build your foundation, and then you can plug those holes with those guys. And then you got to just realistically look at the places. There's so much this one year of coaching turnover, which is crazy, which is just going to cause even more. You already have tons of kids in the portal, and you will every year going forward. In addition to out of nowhere, there's a question mark for every Notre Dame kid or Oklahoma kid. And then when did the next coach and this, these dominoes are going to continue to fall to lesser schools that have their coaches going up a level. So, I mean, we're talking this is going to affect 10, 12, 15 different schools. So the field (laughs) that you have to mine, because Texas obviously has a ton of holes, and Texas is going to have some kids transferring out that don't enjoy being in this situation because they committed to some other situation or didn't like year one. So, like, this year's so unique. Maybe this will be the norm going forward every year, but it's so much different than it was a decade ago. Yeah, One-time transfer, said it before, said it again, one-time transfer is what has changed the game. On this, because you get that one, that one mulligan that I can transfer one time without penalty and be immediately eligible, regardless of the circumstance. That has completely changed the game. On top of COVID and, year, because you all got a free COVID year and, too. Great point. And, and can and yeah. can you can you find a guy that fits that mold that's leaving a Power Five program that was a starter that maybe the head coach left or, or whatever? Can you find one of those guys? Yeah. And the you, non-NFL well, chances, so then those guys that have the transfer and the COVID year, you have a lot of fifth- and sixth-year guys, to your point. You probably can find that guy. But, again, I would rather devote my time and resources, again, to finding those G5 players that 
are really damn good players that are probably going to be draft picks that have legitimate starting experience, a lot of reps under their belt, a lot of starting reps under their belt, that all they need is a place to just showcase what they can do. And how many transfer portal guys can they bring in? Uh, you can – so What's the rule whatever, whatever comes first, and I don't have the registrar in front of me for UT, whatever comes first, the end of the semester – or December fifteenth. Mm-hmm. From that point on, if you you can basically replace, it's a one up for to, one replacement up to seven guys. Okay, so up to seven. Okay, and they'll they'll definitely lose at least seven. I mean, they probably are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. So it's yeah. given. Yeah. Already no, at I'm that with you. Point. I, I I think. Uh, I mean, am I am I wrong? No, in my no, logic? I I like your stance, and also I, I like what Matt said. I think you just got to focus on being really really selective about who you bring in transfer portal. You can't you waste can't time, to, and you can't afford to waste that spot. You need to bring in someone who's going to actually make a positive, constructive difference in your locker room, your team, your culture, or on the field and or on the field. You want all those things, but that needs that person needs to come in and make a a positive contribution. You come in and just have a guy that is just a and no offense, being a jag or a jabroni, you just you just cost yourself time and rebuild and rebuilding, reconstructing this roster. Well, let's be honest. There was a couple of transfers Texas took in this last cycle that I'm sure Sark would love to have that initial counter spot back for another high school recruit. I know he would. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, you got to weigh that right because in time allocation, it should go to recruiting. This is these are just stop gaps well, no. that you're doing afterwards. I'm just saying, yeah. recruit right. high school kids. That's the future. Exactly. Don't waste time allocation on portal. Portal is always there. Plug your holes for the guys that are interested. No, when I, say, Texas, when I say time out, when I say time allocation and don't waste your time, if a guy's going into the portal, it's not it's not a, an apples to apples comparison with basketball. But if there's a big time guy, like let's say let's just take Spencer Rattler, mm-hmm. right? You don't go after Spencer Rattler just to recruit him. Chances are, if Spencer Rattler goes to the portal. He's already he already knows already the two got, the yeah. two or three places where he's going to go, and he's already made contact at yes, those two or three places. I'm just using him as an example. Yeah. So, just this notion that you can go just recruit guys that are in the transfer portal. No, the the really big time guys. More often than not, they've got an idea where they're going, and you're just spinning your wheels yep. again. But those G five players that they're looking for an opportunity. Maybe they don't know where they want to go. And maybe you've got something to sell. You're not wasting your time. And if you're Texas, in terms of the ability to start right away and showcase your talent, pretty much other than other than running back, you you pretty much got every position on the roster to sell in terms of immediate playing time. I agree with that. You're right. Running back's the only position. Running back in one wide receiver spot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. it. Everything, everything else, everything is, else is open. And we we and we will play freshman. That's been advertised too, so that's a good sign. Yeah, maybe the focal point of your offense. Matter of fact, yeah. Um, real quick before we shut it down, as of right now, as we sit here right now, no changes to Sark's staff. I still think it's more likely than not that you see a couple changes on this staff. Additions? For one reason or another. No, I'm talking like You're talking about actually guys moving out. Yeah. Right? Um okay. but it is I am of the opinion. I don't think Pete Kwiatkowski should be one of those changes. Right? Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. Yeah, Pete Kwiatkowski should not be one. Um, I would try to help him out as much as possible. You brought that up last podcast, and I agree. Um, Ask him what he needs, and maybe it's Jimmy Lake. Maybe it's Gary Patterson. I don't know. Whatever it is, he he needs – I think he does need some advice, some counseling on the conference and how to approach it, Yeah, based on the personnel he has. Because this year was a disaster, let's be honest. Yep. Maybe unlike other Texas defensive coordinators, maybe PK just got his really bad year out of the way to start with, and then it'll be good. That, you know what? <laughs> I love the optimism. Maybe that, maybe yeah, that trend we, is going the other way you're now. You're right. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, we used to trend the other direction. And then maybe in two or three years, we're like, man, Texas got the best defense in the country. Man, yeah. let's, uh, let's That's before we became a fear-based fan base. <laughs> Nowadays, it's everything's all going to you know, know. what. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it, it, yeah. I, I've been nature. like that, too. No, you're right. It's not me, but we all have battered fan syndrome now. Oh, yeah. We thought... Even this year, it used to be confident. It made it, it, made it worse again now this year. Now defensive. Yeah. Now it's like Mac Brown's in a corner. The dog's going to fight back. But now we just celebrate other fans' misery instead of celebrating. <laughs> right? Celebrating good times and joy of our own program. Well, we, we don't have joy. Exactly. So we just celebrate misery of others. And I guess uh, that's Come fine. join us in the no, gutter. That's right? society. You know why? That's stuff. Texas fans have accused the Aggies of doing for a long time. I know that's us now. We I know oh, we're yeah. becoming very Aggie like. I get it, but it, this is what it does to you, though. This is what mediocrity does lose. to you. It tur- it changes you. It does. It yeah. changes. Don't you, Don't let man. it engulf you. Yeah. Don't go I mean, to the dark side. That's exactly right. <laughs> Used to be a classy fan base. Today started losing games, like Nebraska. 
Everybody's like, Nebraska fans are so classy. They don't say that anymore. No. <laughs> no. Nobody says that anymore. No. They've been losing for way too long. You yeah. lose your classy vibe when you've been losing for 10 years. <laughs> 100%. Oh, man. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep breaking down. I mean, unless something else crazy happens on the coaching carousel. Uh, it's going uh, to. We'll, uh, and it might by the time we do a show again. But we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll start looking at breaking down more of this Texas. Like I said, guys, the K-State game, it's – it's and I'll, let me say this about the seniors too. Um, my favorite media availability on this beat is the availability for senior day. I heard you say they don't like the time. Um, because there are typically stories that come out during that availability that's like, man, why, why couldn't we have told this – tell this story six weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tope Amade talking about the perspective he gained – Losing his mom. Yeah, Jacoby deep. Jones talking about just growing up in Shreveport, that guys that grew up in his neighborhood don't get out. And he's, even through the foot injury, Sark encouraged him, hey, don't don't lose sight of your books. Stay on top of your books. And he's going to graduate in December. He's going to leave Texas with a degree. And, you know, the stories of, that guys like Derek Kerstetter and Cade Brewer share about their, they, they've been at this place for a long time. They've yeah. seen multiple coaching changes now, uh, coordinators, head coaches, whatever. And, and Almighty. Yeah, and just to to get those guys' perspective to, and we are critical. We have to be critical. That's part of the deal, and I, I get that. But to for those guys to be humanized a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and realize, man, these are these are young men with goals and ambitions and 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 fears and and everything that you know, twenty one to twenty three year old college students deal with. It's yeah. I, I just it's. It just gives me a little different perspective, no, especially at the end of a year like this. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. You you don't realize at times like how that there they are there's so many different people and human beings and personalities themselves going through all of this this five and seven season. Yeah, <laughs> we don't see we see them as a program and it's the numbers and the players. That's how we usually address them. But you're talking about the human element behind the scenes. And trust me, I used to be one of those human elements behind the scenes. And yeah, man, it's tough. I mean, they're they're heartbroken. I can. I mean, there've been a lot of tears shed, a lot of guys' dreams shattered. Yes, over the hell the and, and it hurts them more than it, it hurts does. fans, well, I, and me, that's I where, know. like, yeah. I I loved hearing it. It went viral this weekend. You wouldn't think the name I'm going to say was the perfect person to speak on this, but Nick Saban, like this past week on his radio show, had a three minute clip. I'll retweet it so people can watch. But just talking about like the students yeah. and these kids and how much they have to do. They love mm-hmm. the school, but also they go to class and they work so hard yeah, and like they, they want to win and the expectations in college sports are so off kilter and they stuff. Move, and man. I was I was surprised to well, hear something so prophetic and so well spoken from Saban. I'm glad you mentioned that. Heartfelt. Because mm-hmm. let me say this in closing. Lincoln Riley going to USC, Brian Kelly going to LSU. Let's be a rem- let this be a reminder to Whoever your favorite team is, in this case, we're talking to Texas fans. Your head coach is loyal to one thing, themselves. And winning. And I like Sark personally. Yeah. But Sark is no different than Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly Mm -hmm. or any of these other coaches that are moving jobs. You have to, they're looking out for number one. And yeah, Sark's got the burnt orange polo on right now and Mm -hmm. doing a really good job recruiting, trying to get this roster in the right shape. But. If the right opportunity, if he gets this thing rolling, and then the right opportunity comes along that he decides is a better opportunity for him and his family, guess what? He's going to take it. Except Bob Stoops. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, they're still loving there's the still some outliers out there. Damn it, Rod! I'm trying Bob to make a Stoops. point here. No, but you're right. I agree with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Just remember, I've said it before. Remember, they are paid for yes, their loyalty. You said it. All right. Exactly. You chose. Mm-hmm. To represent the University of Texas as a fan, I chose the University of Texas as a player. I made that choice. All right, they're paid for loyalty. I love them. God bless them. Mm-hmm. But they're just caretakers. They're paid for their their time and their services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, the fan, and all you guys, the fans who are listening, and the players and student athletes, you're the ones who made the choice. Mm-hmm. That's that's more that's way more profound and powerful than being paid for your loyalty. Yeah. And that's, that's what, what they are. And God bless them. We hope they do a good job. And in these situations, yeah, the fans <laughs> well, are forever. Tar Heel now. <laughs> exactly. And fans are there forever, but you look at the coaches, they're the ones paid for it, and then that's where it puts the players in these awkward positions exactly. because you commit to the relationship and the person like you committed to Mac Brown. And that's why these transfer rules and all this stuff is so good now because you used to have then the coach could just leave and the kids couldn't. And now you're put in this weird situation where I committed to this school, but I committed to this staff and to these men, and now you, you at 
least allow the kids those rights. It's an odd situation. God bless Mac Brown. I know a ton of players I have not been, but I know a ton of players who go visit him in North Carolina to yeah. this day. Texas players. <laughs> to your point, relationships. That Mac is still Mac is still keeps those ties. So I'll give yep. him credit that that still matters to him, even though hey man, they're all paid for their loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're Coach Royal or Bob Stoops. Unless you're Coach <laughs> Royal or Bob Stoops. Amen. God bless. Them. Unless yeah, your statue guy. No, they, they even got, if you're Brian Kelly, statue guy may leave. The Bob Stoops statue has flowers around it there at Norman today. They <laughs> 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 love this dude. <laughs> He's a saint. He's sainthood now yes. in Norman, man. <laughs> St. Stoops. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Stoopsy. That's a good place right. to end. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rob B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Matt, Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod be on RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless you can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.